NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at nybg.org. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Hello, hello. So yesterday... I laid out the latest polling data relative to President Biden and former President Donald Trump uh, talked extensively about the impact of the January 6th investigation on Donald Trump, floated the idea that the best way of protecting himself politically and legally in his mind might be to announce his 2024 candidacy before the 2022 midterm. And I asked you in the survey question at Smirconish.com, do you think that's going to happen? Will Donald Trump announce his 24 candidacy before the 22, the 22 midterms? 10,878 votes were cast. 59.5% said, let's just call it 60-40. 60% said, yes, Trump will announce before the midterm election, which would be unprecedented uh, for someone of his stature, other candidates have announced far in advance of a presidential election, but not a former president with these dynamics. It'll be nice to catch up with Mark Halpern, with whom I have not spoken in two weeks. In one hour's time, he, of course, the editor of the Wide World of News, and today treats us to yet another fake Ron Klain memo, just in the nick of time. But first, there is this. The Austin American Statesman, in conjunction with a television outlet in Texas, has released video of the police response to the school shooting in Uvalde. And the release itself is controversial. I have posted the video at Smirconish.com. It's embedded in the Austin American Statesman. As a matter of fact, there are two different stories that I've posted that I will explain to you. My Facebook page also has the video's We've run both the explanation from the newspaper as to why they published it and a news account of what the videos reveal. If watching the videos is just too much for you, and I certainly understand that, but you want to know what they depict, you've got the opportunity to do either. There are actually two videos. One's a four-minute version. It shows you the critical elements of the sequence, meaning the shooter's arrival, his almost nonchalant strut down the hallway before he engages in a path of destruction, um, the police delay, which ultimately was 77 minutes, or you could watch the entire video. The entire video is about an hour and 20 long. In both of the videos, the identity of a child who comes out of a bathroom just as the gunman enters the school has been blurred. Thank God he lived. They also removed screening sound, screaming sounds of, of the kids when the gunman enters the classroom. You do hear the gunfire. You do see the face of the gunman. In terms of the justification 
for putting this out there. The Austin American Statesman says we have to bear witness to history and transparency and unrelenting reporting is a way to bring change. This tragedy has been further tragic by changing stories, heroic sounding narratives proven to be false and a delay or in most cases rejection of media requests for public information by law enforcement leaders, public officials and elected leaders. Many of the requests now rest in the hands of Attorney General Ken Paxton's office, who has not yet decided what should be released. But there are also heroes, elected officials, public officials, law enforcement officers, survivors of the massacre who want the truth out. The truth always wins. Maybe not on our clock, but the truth always prevails. And that is the reason that we publish alongside KVUE. I had intended to make today's survey question about the decision to publish. But in the end, I decided it's not that which most interests me, as controversial as the decision might be. Uh, Two parents of victims killed during the shooting spoke to MSNBC's top story, shared their, their upset, their discomfort, They say that they were supposed to watch the video without any audio this coming Sunday. So by the media outlets releasing this, the families are seeing it when the rest of us see it. Now, that's not right. That is not right. Uh, Brett Cross said we saw at the same time that the rest of the world saw it, even though we had asked for it before from our district attorney and to not have the audio there. We didn't need to hear our babies being massacred. It was totally uncalled for. The father of another victim added that the statesman had put it out there for the world to see, and we weren't ready to see it yet. So there's that issue. But after I watched for an hour and 20 minutes last night, instead I was drawn to something else, which is the explanation for the lack of reaction. I don't know if you want to watch. I watched out of a, a sense of morbid curiosity, I guess. You know, the, the same thing I can't control when I rubberneck on the Schuylkill if there's an accident. But I also wanted to see, I wanted to try and find a justification for the delay. And that's why after I watched the video, I changed my mind on the survey question. I was looking for some explanation as to the 77-minute delay, and I found none. And so today, instead of asking about journalistic ethics, I'm inquiring about cowardice. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Here's my version of what you see. This is my version of what you see if you invest nearly an hour and a half into watching the Uvalde full video. You see the gunman arrive, you know, crashes his car or his truck. That's really remote in the initial camera shot. But he has no trouble gaining access to the school after he sprays bullets from a semi-automatic rifle outside the building. And then he walks into the school. He doesn't run. He's walking at a, it seems like a pretty good clip. This is when you see a young boy, you know, kind of hair slicked back and wearing glasses, peeks around the corner and sees the gunman just about to enter rooms 111 and 112. Does the gunman know exactly where he's going? That's among my many, many questions. Like he he's walking with purpose, the gunman down the hall and seems to know exactly where he wants to go. The young man comes out of the bathroom, sees the gunman just as the gunman begins to fire. The boy then runs back into the bathroom. I was happy to read in some of the coverage because, of course, you wonder, you know, what happened to him? He survived. So. There's then gunfire. Again, you don't hear the screaming. You do hear the gunfire. It starts and then it stops. It starts and then it stops. And then you don't hear anything and you see a police response. I mean, I know you've read the timeline, but I'm telling you, you actually get to watch it if you want to watch it. The cops are there in about three minutes time. And now for the duration of what was released, it's a one camera view. It's like one surveillance video camera is is just a constant. Later, there will be a cop's uh, body cam added. And it's interesting because you can see the view from his body cam at the same time that you see the fixed position camera. Makes me wonder, here's another question. What about other body cameras? How How many of those who responded were wearing body cams? I don't know the answer. So the camera is fixed in one position. It's a hallway intersection of what you would you would recognize in any setting at all, that it's a school. You know, it's got this distinct blue-green paint color combo, bulletin boards, uh, looks like a couple of flyers that are taped to the wall. It's, it's an it's a elementary school, and it's a hallway intersection. There's audio, but it's garbled. You really can't decipher the audio. I don't know where the audio is coming from. Is it coming from the same camera position? Is it coming from the cops? I I don't know. You can decipher some concern that the law enforcement who arrive have about crossfire. And I think they're worried that there are other law enforcement members at the other end of the hall and they don't want to shoot one another. At least I think that's the case. As I say, the audio is bad, but the video is crystal clear. Among the very first responders, you see a heavyset cop who goes down the hall with another uh, police officer, and it's either the heavyset guy alone or both of them who get grazed. I know you've, you've heard, you've read that there was gunfire exchanged with the gunmen or that the gunmen fired on the cops or fired through the door, 
you see the heavyset guy as he backs off, wiping his hair, sort of rubbing his head, and then looking at his hand as if looking for blood. He, he had with him only what I would describe as a pistol. I know somebody's going to call and say, oh, it's not a pistol. It's, a, it's an ABZY. I don't know. It looks like a pistol to me. What I'm trying to tell you is he's outgunned and he went down the hall. Others then arrive. And from news accounts and from what I see in terms of what they're wearing, I recognize them to be local, state, and federal. And, and, and as the time ticks off the clock, they have an increasing amount of firepower. In other words, body armor and uh, shields, uh, helmets. You're still looking from the same vantage point. Now, there's no gunfire for about a half hour time after the heavyset cop comes back, you know, wiping his hair. The police are talking to one another. You can't hear what they're saying. They leave, you'll, you know, you'll sort of isolate on a particular cop and, and they might leave and then re-enter the camera frame or others come. At one point, they seem to be looking at a floor plan, maybe talking on a cell phone. But most importantly, and of course, you know this, nobody makes a move to enter the classroom. And from this bird's eye perspective, there's no semblance of a plan. Like what you don't see is someone calling the shots. You don't see someone telling people what to do. No one that you can identify seems to be in charge. And no one that I recognize seems to be Chief Arandondo. Instead, there are just men who change at different times, poised with guns, pointed down the hall. The personnel who are holding those guns, you know, change, but nobody makes a move and they all stay at the end of the hallway, just like waiting, waiting and waiting. And that's not the worst part for me. The worst part for me, uh, I'm just looking at at notes because I was like watching and making notes on my iPhone last night, kind of rudimentary. So I might be off in what I'm about to tell you, but about 52 minutes in which would have been about 45 or 50 minutes after the police arrive, now there's more gunfire. Now there's more gunfire. And there's a a flurry of activity. There's movement down the hall. The cops now are positioned closer to rooms 111 and 112 than they had been. Somebody seems to have a sledgehammer, but nobody makes a move. They still don't go in. And that's the part that is just heartbreaking. Because maybe they'd convinced themselves, or some among them had convinced themselves that the guy had offed himself. Maybe they convinced themselves that they now had a barricaded situation, not an active shooter. You know, maybe, I don't think so, but maybe there's some justification for the 45-minute delay. But my God, when they're all there and now they've got all the weapons of war and there's more gunfire, they still don't go in. And then you're going to see this, if you haven't seen it already, at the one hour and two minute mark, one of the guys reaches for hand sanitizer. There's a, um, an, a an affixed hand sanitizer, as you would expect to find in a school, and he just kind of reaches over and rubs his, like he's worried about COVID. And these kids are bleeding out just down the hall. Oh, that's going to be the image. 
trust me, that will be the image that will be circulated and will hang with us. Still no leadership, no evidence of a plan, just holding, holding, holding. And then finally, the officers rush into the classroom and they kill the gunman an hour and 14 minutes after police had first arrived. And at the 122 mark, one hour and 22 minutes, it ends. And of course, you know that it ends with 19 fourth graders and two teachers dead. So my survey question today doesn't ask about the media ethics of showing the video. There's a legitimate issue there, and I'm happy to discuss it, by the way. I think it's important that that video be shown. I don't think we should have seen it on the same day and terms as the family members. That was a mistake. They're owed more. uh, Now, there could have been an interesting issue that would have arisen if they'd seen it and then said, we don't want it shown. I would have overruled the family desires and said, no, the public needs to see this because we don't see any of the kids except for the kid who survived, who came out of the bathroom. So I recognize there's a there's a very interesting issue there about media ethics, but that's not what I'm asking today at the website. Instead, I'm asking this. Does cowardice best explain the delay by law enforcement to respond to the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas? There's one guy, you know, you're seeing this from up above who's in the hallway and he has uh, he's he's dressed like he's got all the you know, he's got all the the proper clothing and he's got a long gun and but he's not on the front line and at a certain point he's kind of around the corner and he has his arm on the shoulder like the collar like he's a like a horse collar the way you're not allowed to tackle in football you can't horse collar a guy he's horse collaring one of his colleagues but they're they're like you know the the ninth or tenth guy back and he's in position, horse collar. But I don't know. I looked at him like, Whoa. oh, man. Okay, here's an alternative. Here's an alternative to cowardice. I'm asking today, is that the best explanation of the delay? It pains me to even ask the question to second-guess law enforcement, but I feel compelled to do so in this case. Do you remember that in uh, early June, I had on this program... Catherine Schweit, former FBI agent who wrote the protocol on school shootings. She was a guest of mine here on POTUS. She was also a guest of mine on CNN. And I was thinking of her last night watching the Uvalde video because there came a point in the interview where I said to her, and again, this was uh, June 9, so this is more than a month ago, but I said to her then, what is it you most want to know? Listen to what she said. I want to know um, whether or not the officers who were there were doing groupthink and, and, and failed to move forward because of that. Um, because I think that's something that we can train to. Uh, because we've trained to say, look, you know you have to do this. But groupthink is a very hazardous thing. Uh, and when they start to say, well, I'll do something else. I'll take kids out of the west wing of the building, and I won't worry about the shooter in the east wing of the building. Uh, yeah, let's go do that. That kind of group think takes us away from their what their primary training is. Well, how does that take root? How does how does group think in in a circumstance like this? Like, wh- what's the origin of it? One person who control, says a lack of a person in charge. 
Right. The incident command. You know, if the fire chief or if the police chief was on scene, as we know he was, wherever he was, uh, if it was his jurisdiction, and he, you know, the first officer on scene is the person in charge. That's kind of the rule. So the first officer on scene is, is the incident command until more people come in and other people, maybe, maybe a, a senior officer comes in and says, okay, I've got this. But you have to have somebody in charge. And without, and this is, this is based on my experience and not based on any facts about Texas, but I'm saying that based on my experience, nobody was in charge of that scene. And I think that's what frustrates law enforcement who works in an incident command concept. All of us all over the United States for decades have said somebody has to be in charge. doesn't have to be the chief, but it has to be somebody in charge. And when nobody's in charge, then you got people running around. And that's what it seems like we saw. Okay, so back in real time, she didn't have the benefit of the video when she said that to me here on POTUS on June 9. I'll bet she would say, aha. That's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking, because the mentality of I'll do something else, I think, is supported by the changing personnel. It's not as if the first three or four who arrive, you are seeing for an hour and 22 minutes. No, no, no. There's constant like shifting and changing. Where do they go? Maybe groupthink has kicked in and they, they say, oh, I, I know I'll go around back and see if I can evacuate someone there. And you don't see any evidence. I believe that if there were a a chain of command being followed and a plan being implemented and someone calling the shots, I think you'd be able to discern that from the video. To my untrained eye, I don't see any of that here. I'm also going to say one other thing, and then I'll I'll just wrap this up. Um, I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I have it in me. But I didn't sign up for that task. They did sign up for that task. I'm sorry. I have to say it. And I heard Chief Charles Ramsey say something like this yesterday on CNN. They volunteered for this role. They're getting paid for this role. So I don't think that the fair measure is to say, you know, sitting here on my ass, bloviating on on a radio program. Hey, forget it. That's not the comparison. It's not my job. It is their job. You're going to sign up for that job and you're going to get paid for that job. Then when there's a slaughter taking place of of school kids behind a closed door, you're going in. And they didn't. They didn't. So watch if you want. You can find the embedded links at Smirconish.com. It's on my Facebook page as well. The survey question today, does cowardice best explain it's probably a combination of things but is that the best explanation for the delay by law enforcement to respond to that school shooting in uvalde this is the smirconish podcast from sirius xm hey the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new suv like an adventure ready rav4 Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. 
you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Fred, you are retired military looking from Louisiana at this circumstance. You think what? Well, I'll preface it by saying I have not watched the video that you're discussing, but as a retired military and someone who was also a emergency preparedness coordinator for a fairly large medical center, the problem seems to be leadership because someone has to be in charge or everything just runs amok. Am I asking too much as I watch the video, and I get that you haven't seen it, but I, I gave you a pretty lengthy description. Am I asking too much of those men, they are all men as far as I can determine, to think, why don't they just rush in whether they've been given the order or not? I, I don't know that you're thinking too much, but it's, it's sad that someone couldn't have stepped up and been in charge. There has to be some kind of an instant commander to tell people what to do. You don't. You don't just have a group with everybody doing whatever they feel like they want to do. It's just yeah, sad and, that somebody couldn't have stepped up and said, hey, we got to do something. I mean, after an hour, you think someone could step up and be in charge. And and it's entirely possible that there was some direction being given that I can't see because the audio is garbled. But I think if you invested the time and watched it, you would think these are all sort of independent contractors going their own different direction and nobody is is telling them what they should do. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it very much. In Montreal, this is Eric. Hello, Eric. Hi, uh, long-time listener. It's an honor to talk to you. By the way, I don't know how you do everything you do in a week, but anyway, um, you know, listening to everything, you know, I'm in Canada, and the, the, the expectations you have on police, your police force in the United States is wholly unrealistic given the firepower that's in the hands of everybody. Um, you, you see it in videos of even a, a, a traffic stop. Police are always nervous in the United States, and I don't blame them. This is a wholly unrealistic situation, and, of course, leadership had something to do with it, but I think that's the root cause. So this is the reason why I have wondered aloud here before why members of law enforcement aren't more active in terms of trying to bring about some level of gun regulation or control, because they are the ones who are so often uh, outgunned, outmanned. They do from time to time. You see it in, in police chiefs that have the courage to speak out and ask for gun control, but your, your, your um, citizenry is being held hostage by an industry that found a loophole in your constitution and you're being exploited by the gun industry very simply so the money is ruling everything yeah i can't argue with that i just wonder why when there's a, a mass shooting in a particular area the local police union isn't at the forefront of an effort to change the law that you sure you'll get the chief or you'll get the retired chief who is now turned into a a television or radio commentator all of a sudden finding their voice but of all people who should be wanting to take weapons out of 
20-somethings who have a history of mental illness, you would think it would be the cops. You would think it would be the well, cops. Thank you. People, a lot of these yeah. people are elected. A lot of these people are elected. The politics, the money, it's just corrupted the whole thing. Well, it might also be, I mean, I'm just trying to be practical about this. It might also just be that the gun culture is more in, ingrained in, in cops, many of whom at one point served in the military. I, I mean, the statistics on, on the number of weapons in houses in the United States has changed significantly because most used to get their first education with a weapon either by a father who took them hunting or by military service. And when fewer and fewer are serving in the military, fewer have been exposed to a weapon and consequently don't have one in their house. But if you grew up in that culture, you hunted, you went into the military, just as are, you know, later in life, you're going to have a gun in your house. I don't think, by the way, those are the people that you most need to worry about. Sportsmen and those who served in the military. But because there are so many weapons among us, they inevitably get into the wrong hands. I'm not blaming cops or former soldiers, or, or you know, somebody who goes out looking for a nine-point buck or whatever the case may be. Doug is in Virginia. What did you want to tell me about Uvalde? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Um, watched the tape uh, this morning, and um, I'm a 36-year veteran of public education. About 30 of that as an administrator. And uh, I spent some part of my, every day of my career wondering if today's the day. And unfortunately, um, I would have to say about half the law enforcement people that I work with in rural and urban settings uh, would not have had the mental, physical, or emotional capacity to do what needed to be done in that situation. Um, until public schools arm themselves with video cameras outside and inside, manned by somebody watching those cameras with capable law enforcement, um, including weaponry, uh, this is just going to keep happening. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but in my judgment, we have to do that. I think you're right. Uh, I was resistant to that idea for a long time, but think about it. Any office building you go into, any office building you go yep. into in the private right. sector has more extensive security and a, a more of a gated process for entrance than, than your typical school. So I, I absolutely agree with you. And for the amount of money uh, that gets spent by Washington on a whole host of other things, this ought to be priority number one. I, I totally, totally agree. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Jerry, what did you most want to say? Uh, Michael, thank you very much. Uh, long-time listener. Uh, first of all, congratulations on evacuating the hotel. I'm a volunteer fire chief, and it's uh, amazing that you, uh, you'd know that many people ignore those alarms, even in hotels. Yeah. I remember the days of being in a college dormitory, and, and kids would hide in their closets. Absolutely. Uh, now, Uvalde, you have many different police departments in different jurisdictions. You have across different jurisdictions, and then you have vertical jurisdictions, local, state, and federal. There is much dysfunction in certain areas across the United States where the organizations do not get along with each other. There is egos involved, and I am the chief, and you will not come to my jurisdiction and take command and be in charge. I have to be in charge. So there, you know, I'm not saying that this has occurred in that location, but there is problems because we have many, many different organizations that are involved in these emergency responses, and they don't get along together day to day. And in sometimes when there's a critical incident like this, 
things do not go smoothly. Thank you well, very I th- much. I appreciate I th- everything that you and Thanks, Jerry. do. Thank you. I think there's probably a lot of that. In fact, on two of my three monitors, Fox is on the bodega story. That's a legit story. MSNBC and CNN showing that footage exactly right now as I'm speaking. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.